Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, April 23rd. It's episode 33. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And today we're going to be talking about pinball and video games. And once again, pretty much no tabletop. Also, we've got a, uh, just in case you hear it in the background, somewhere my neighbor has decided that he can do his own uh, widening of his driveway and has rented a bobcat and has obviously never actually used a bobcat so if there's some random loud sound it's probably my neighbor driving through his house hmm that's uh unfortunate he probably should have started smaller with a bob kitten maybe yeah so, something it's it's a. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely been kind of a thing watching him the on and off this afternoon as he's trying to make it work well, so. I wish him luck, but not really, because it would be kind of funny. Uh, to see <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, so Tony, what's been going on? We've had two weeks since an episode. People, they need to know. Well, the people need to know. It has been a pretty busy two weeks. I'm still working on organizing my new desk. Um, we had some people off, so I picked up an extra week or most of an extra week of on-call. So I've basically been on-call. I'm going to end up being on call for almost two straight weeks, just under two weeks. Um, and that's kept, that's eaten a lot of my time. I've been playing some games, most of which I'm going to talk about later. And, uh, just to remind people, uh, next Saturday, which will be April 29th is International Tabletop Day. Uh, we'll include a link so you can throw in your zip code and find out if there's any local area meetups or stuff going on on that day if you want to go play board games and stuff in your area um i don't actually know if i'm going to attend this year because man we have so much stuff going on locally on the 29th i mean it's international tabletop day of course uh planet comic con's running that weekend here in kansas city and i've been kind of debating maybe taking the oldest one to her first ever uh, convention. Mm, I haven't decided like if I'm going to do it yet. And then I know we we have a pinball tournament. The uh, Strawberry Hill Strikeout is that Yeah, I'm that still trying day. to decide if I'm going to that. I haven't decided if I'm going either. I mean, I know it, there's always a good turnout. It's a fun tournament, but there's just so much other stuff going on. Well, I think that one's running against the Cactus Jacks in Oklahoma City Papa Circuit event. So I don't know how the turnout's going to be, actually. This oh, is it? I, I thought. I think. I thought I'm not sure. Well, now I I'm going to have to so. look that up. Cactus, Jax. See if I can spell tournament. It is. You're right. It is. It is going against that. Well, maybe all the people who destroy me won't be there. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we can win. That's what you're thinking. Well, no, no, no. I'm not going that crazy. <laughs> Um, let's not go yeah. that far. I'm yeah, no, realistic no, no. here. Uh, so <laughs> t- turnout may be a little dam- dampened though, because uh, that's with such within driving distance for a lot of our better players who are interested in trying to position themselves through the Papa circuit. So we'll see, but, but yeah, so I don't know what that'll do to turnout, but yep. Yeah, just another thing on the 29th to consider. Yeah. And I'm sure there's even more. So, wow. It, that for some reason that last weekend in April just everybody scheduled everything for it because I know uh, there's some other 
There's like three other tournaments of things I follow in the area running that weekend. It's nuts. I think it's because it's a fifth weekend. And so anything that's regularly scheduled on a recurring uh, is easily avoided because they're so rare to have five weekends. That's a valid point. Um, Other than that, I have fully caught up uh, with the current airings of The Expanse. And if you haven't watched The Expanse and you like sci-fi, I recommend it. It's, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go beyond how I would normally go. Not only is it the best sci-fi show on TV currently, it is probably one of the best sci-fi shows on TV in the last 15 or 20 years. That's pretty bold. It is. It is very bold, but I am greatly enjoying it. I would say that, and again, it'll be hard to tell until the actual show is completely done, how it stacks up to other shows that are completed. But it's re- really, really been good. And I think part of that is because, like uh, Game of Thrones, it's taking a book series and based upon that. So it's got a better run than you get with, like, your normal Star Treks or other sci-fi shows or, yeah, I mean, stuff like Battlestar Galactica that started so strong and then got real weak towards the end or such. So, I mean, it's been, I've been, I've been really enjoying it. I've also been doing a full rewatch of Deep Space Nine and I'm over halfway through. I'm halfway through season five. And I now remember why. I mean, it's a good show. I enjoy it a lot. It's definitely one of my favorite Star Trek series. I think Babylon 5 was better. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I, you know, I, I, it was only a few years ago I finally watched Deep Space Nine. Uh, I never watched it while it was on the air, but I went back and watched it. And, uh yeah, you know I I think overall I I probably agree with you. It's I don't know. It's kind of rough because I think Babylon 5 season 5 is pretty poor and season 1 it's slow. It it pays off though. Whereas it does. with Deep Space 9, I don't think there's the same payoff for the first couple of seasons which are kind of slow. But the yeah, rest season of 1 this- and 2 are both weak. But but the rest of the series I thought was really good. I'd probably go ahead and say that, and I've I've still not seen Voyager, so I guess bear that in mind. But uh, Deep Space Nine overall is probably the strongest Star Trek series I've seen. Yeah, I would say that. I think it's the series more than anything else that I think has the uh, best combination of uh, overarching story and kind of uh your week to week uh one off type stories. But I think that's I think that's the stuff that makes that made Babylon 5 stand out more is what happened on episode 1 had importance to every episode other episode. What happened on episode 5 had importance to every other episode. And even even Babylon 5 small episodes that were kind of standalone still had overarching things that tied the whole thing together. Kind of like Battlestar Galactica did the same thing. Even their standalone episodes had more of an overall arc tie-in, where in most Star Trek series, some, they would choose a character and something really bad would happen to that character. And uh, the next episode, uh, they'd be fine. 
Right, right. It was, it was very situational, sort of yeah. uh, mishap or mission of the week sort of thing. And and you had that overall, what I guess maybe the term serialization with Bab- Babylon 5, that you know, Lost gets a lot of credit for popularizing that style, but Babylon 5 predates it. And I thought yeah. it was, at least up until Lost, the best example I could come up with where you had a plot narrative that was threaded all the way through. Well- all the way through till about season five, where it got a little weird, but yeah, you uh, got. But I understand it, why it because did. of the production. Like a lot of shows, that was an upper management thing that stepped in, I think, and messed everything up. Messed up. Yep. I. Yep. It happened a lot, and it happened to, to Crusade after, where I yes, thought I was going to get more in that universe, and now that universe is dead. And it, I mean, it's kind of like what the same thing that happened to, to like Firefly and a whole lot of other shows that they don't get, that they either get a lot of management touching and, 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 and playing with things and they hurt what would be their actual fan base by trying to aim it for something else. And I, that's one of the things I like the expanse. I mean, the expanse is a space opera. That uses a fairly decent, uh, I, I like how they, they run their science and their, and, and such. And it's been a really enjoyable show and I recommend it to, like I said, everybody because it's, it's great. The storyline's great. The characters are great. The way they do everything in it is enjoyable. Well, I have, I've been watching some stuff too. Actually, I, uh, saw that Amazon Prime on their, on their, original programming had the third season of Bosch, which I, I really like. the first two. That's a, it's a police procedural style uh, based off of the books by Michael Connolly, who is an author I have read, though I can't recall if I've actually ever read any of his Bosch books. I've heard but, really good things about that. Series. Yeah, it's good. I, I, I really like how it, how it goes. Uh, the lead actor, uh, I'm not, I wasn't really familiar with his body of work. Uh, it's Titus. Oh, uh, I blank on his, uh, Welliver, Titus Welliver. Uh, he, he played the smoke monster guy in lost actually, going back to lost there for a moment. Um, so that's what I knew him from, but anyway, uh, and I just got through, uh, they tend to do 10 episode seasons. So I actually watched half of it yesterday and then I just got through the second half of it before I got on the air here. So I'm all caught up. With that, um, and then on the gaming front, I have some video game news to get in through the intro. I won't cover what I'm currently playing because that will be for the video game segment. But uh, let's see. I reported last time that I had been playing Battle Group 2, which was a game uh, gift from the Link Cable podcast. I've won it, won all the missions. Uh, last five were pretty rough. I actually had to go back to prior levels and farm oil so I could purchase upgrades, buy the best battleships there were. And I even still had to use some of the consumable power-ups to actually punch through some of it because the amount of stuff you have to deal with on the screen was just too overwhelming. I don't know if I'll play it anymore and go for the rest of the Steam achievements or not because most of them are cumulative kill counts and I it's hard for me to gauge if they're going to take a really, really long time and I don't like replaying stages like that repeatedly once I I've mastered them. And a lot of them I've already four-starred, so I can't really rate them any higher. But I liked it. Uh, Far Cry Primal, finished that up. Uh, when I was getting near the end, I looked over the achievement list. I, I A lot of times I don't look anymore before I play a game because I don't want to be put off. I used to go for achievements very aggressively, uh, but sometimes I found I was deciding not to 
play certain games because I was worried about the achievement list. And so I try not to look anymore. So I don't care until it's too late. Um, and I went in and I took a look at it and I thought, well, actually, I think I can full clear this game or as the PlayStation people would call it, plat it, you know, get your platinum trophy for earning all your trophies. We don't have that on the Xbox side, but you 100 percent them. So I decided to full clear the game because and the whole reason why I decided it was the collectibles. I actually did not need to find every single one. I only had to find most of them. And so I went and did that and that I needed it anyway to help get me enough experience points to unlock the skill trees, which I had to fully unlock the tree. So that was actually the the part that took the longest. But I've wrapped that up. So Far Cry Primal is uninstalled and on the shelf to give away to someone. Um, And then the third game, of course, Overwatch, uh, they had released a PVE event, uh, kind of like they haven't had one since the Junkenstein revenge over the Halloween period. I've played it a number of times. I haven't played it since I finally achieved what my limited goal was, which was to get through the legit event, the event where the four characters are hard-coded on hard. I don't know how many times it took, at least eight. Uh, And I finally had a group that decided that they were not going to be stupid. And that was a tall order. Uh, You know, maybe I should have uh, chatted with them more or what, but, but I'd get these groups and three people would know what they're doing. And there was always one. There was always one, Tony, and he didn't or she didn't know how to play Overwatch. And they apparently thought that the way you play Overwatch is you run in and get surrounded by enemies and die, which is not the strategy that I recommend. That that doesn't sound like somebody who doesn't know how to play. That that just sounds like somebody who spends all their time as uh, Tracer, Genji, or Emo Lad. You know, and I would agree with you, except uh, in terms of the losses, the majority of them were who the person was playing Torbjorn. And so, uh, you know, again, well, yeah, because they couldn't they be got stuck with it, I guess, Genji or yeah. Emo Lad. So yeah, they, well, they could have maybe been Tracer if someone else hadn't taken Tracer. Anyway, I, I don't They've got two higher difficulties than that. Normal, I feel is pretty easy, but hardware really was hard. It really was. I don't think I'm going to go and go for. There are achievements for winning the other two difficulty levels. I don't think I even want to put up with it, though. So I'm probably done with this event. Except yeah, I, I might do it to farm loot crates because it is basically on normal. I'm almost guaranteed to get the loot crate by the end of it, which is which, if I do mystery heroes or something, it's very hit or miss. Because even if I have a competent team, if we get really bad random assignments, we lose. So it's frustrating when you lose like that. Um, but that's it in terms of my update. Yeah, I've been enjoying uh, that. I haven't played it a ton. I've had some pretty okay luck, but then again, I mean, I'm playing on on PC, so and I I think from everything I've heard, I think you're more likely to find better randos on PC than you are on other systems. <laughs> that doesn't mean there's a lot of them, but it just seems you have better odds of getting good ones, and it. Definitely from a lot of the stuff I've heard, the like really, really hard levels are borderline impossible, especially using where you only have to have the four characters they choose for you. I've heard the hardest is impossible with that, but so have I, I've read that tracer just doesn't work that you, that people have been able to win it with the team comp without cheating. Cause there was an exploit that's already been patched out by blizzard, but where tracer could zip ahead and stop the spawns while the payload was moving. But 
people have not last I saw, and it's been a while since I looked, they couldn't win with Tracer. If they swap her out with a Bastion, they could do it with the rest of the regular team. But Tracer wasn't good enough. <sighs> Poor Tracer. Poor Tracer. So she's the cavalry. She was. And apparently uh, she's Custer's cavalry and is getting massacred. So tragic. <laughs> tragic. But what isn't tragic is the first of our segments, which was pinball as usual. So let's go ahead pinball. and let's get the silver ball rolling and move away from Tracer because we still do not have the Overwatch pinball machine that I want built. Pin, pin, uh, pin, pin, pinball. That's pin, right. Pin, I like your new pinball song. And you know what? The competitive scene would like it more than if anyone chooses pinball wizard. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have I to admit, know. I did like the puddles pity, pity party version of pinball wizard to, to, uh, Folsom prison blues. Mm, that was, yes, I, I, heard about I, that. I enjoyed that. But again, also I kind of like, uh, Puddle's Pity Party. I've watched a lot of his videos just because they're hilarious to me. But Well, we're going to start with a not-so-hilarious thing on pinball, which is a correction. We get to do corrections, and we love Yay, to do corrections. corrections. Thank that's right. you. And you. That's right. If you guys catch us making mistakes, let us know, because we are more than happy to humiliate ourselves and correct it. And so this correction comes from one of our listeners on Pinside, uh, Handle Solar Value. Who is who actually wrote in and asked us to talk about the P3 if we had played it at Texas, which we did. But it turns out that we had a misunderstanding about the one game neither you nor I played, which is Heads Up, the, the head-to-head game. Yeah. It turns out that you do not need to link the machines physically together. It's the first online physical pinball game, and it's internet-enabled. So, well, see, and that makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad that's the case of that because that is going to be way more likely than somebody having two machines. Yeah, you don't have to spend twenty thousand dollars now to play one game. <laughs> so, if that was what was making you balk, you can merely spend the ten thousand, and you're going to be a okay now. Yeah. Now, I do wonder about the how the matchmaking type thing on a system like that would be. How you would go about it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and, and he noted in his note to me when he was issuing the correction that they they had not yet introduced online matchmaking, but that was in the works, and that there would be an ability of some form to be able to challenge others through the system. So I'm I'm curious. Uh, I assume because so few people, I imagine, would just be sitting in a lobby waiting to play heads up that that challenge system would be some way to perhaps ping out and let someone or perhaps a group of someone's who are on their p3s that there's a party interested in playing heads up and then you can swap in your whatever module you need yeah and that that would be cool i wonder about the ability then to use that to set up a like literal national heads up like tournament type thing where people are playing against people in some large scale tournament where you can literally play from your home to be part of the tournament. That'd <clears throat> that be pretty does, cool. I know that's what I was saying, but it brings up the thought. Um, does the system have a way to detect if the glass is off? Oh, you know, who knows? I mean, they've got some pretty savvy tech in there. I would guess they probably didn't think about uh, with the development. Cheaters. Sure. And trolls. Maybe there's a way with an opto though to know if the glasses on or off. I don't. Maybe I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Uh, but I mean, I could. I, there are. I could see people 
there are certain types of people out there that I have no qualms seeing intentionally playing something like that with the glass off to to grab and save balls and maintain play. Sure, but you know, unless I mean, the way they we, talk we together, they on, can detect. We see it on. Oh, PC. the ball's going to the out lane, and of course, I mean, there's nothing to stop you if you're doing that. If no one's around you, from not just blocking like your out lanes anyway, so you literally can't out lane drain. I mean, sure, the, there's nothing to stop that. So, you no, know, online play will always invite the ability for unscrupulous behavior, uh, and we see it on competitive online gaming. I mean, even Overwatch with its very zealous uh, patrolling has issues with aim bots and such on the pc side so yeah i mean it's that, always it's, a it's a part and parcel of video games and it's i think a part and parcel for anything that's online so yeah risk, because but, it's just there's bad people but if it's people just for suck. casual play which is what i think they'll st- they'll stick with it being just for casual play then you know yeah especially if you know the people it'll be like you know honor system sort of thing kind of like how a lot of the selfie league stuff is yeah because, yeah. hey, if you knew the operator at the selfie leagues, get them to pull the glass down and give yourself a good selfie score. That's you don't true. see it in the photo. You just see the back glass. So anyway, uh, correction on that. Thank you, Solar Value, for letting us know that we did not understand Heads Up properly. Let's move to the next topic, a very optimistic topic, I think, given the uh, response both you and I had when we got to play it at the Texas Oh, yeah, I was so happy when I heard about this. So the big news is that Spooky Pinball has indicated that they will be manufacturing Total Annihilation. What we know so far is price has not been announced. There is no limit on the run, however. They plan to make batches of 50. So I guess there'll be 50 people who submit orders or some fashion of t- t- you know keeping track that there are, once there are 50 people interested, they'll do a run and there is no limit. So it's not going to be like only 300 units or anything. Uh, there have not been any announced production level changes, but we haven't seen anything yet. Uh, just like I, I did read the artist who's going to do the art has been announced, but there is no draft art that has been shown publicly. So I probably shouldn't bother even saying this, but I will ask the question nonetheless. Tony, what do you think about Total Annihilation actually getting to be manufactured and making it a little more interesting of a question? What do you think about it being spooky doing the build? Does anybody want to buy a kidney? I got two. I I don't need them both. So uh, send me an email if you need a kidney and have, I don't know, like a hundred grand and uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, then I'll get a total annihilation. <laughs> well, I don't know if you'll need a full 100 grand. How much can you well, get for a kidney? I don't know. What What is a kidney worth on the black market? Well, you know, I looked it you up know what? last I'm time we had the kidney discussion. List anyway on Google. Let's check this out. Kidney worth on black market. Oh, wow. That's actually, I typed kidney worth and it auto finished on black market. Oh, so, I'm, I'm um, sure a lot of people are probably trying to sell them see. for this game. That's, um... Whoa! Oh, I underbid. According to this, the going rate for a kidney in the U.S. is two hundred sixty-two thousand dollars. So, if you would like so, a discount kidney, email. Well, no, no, no. I need to be able to buy gmail dot com. Yeah. Subject line: Discount kidney from Tony. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I I, I am a uh, hefty guy, so you so you're gonna they're gonna have to cut through all the extra fat to get to. I don't know, do you have a rare blood type? <clears throat> no, no, yeah. I have a very common blood type. Okay, never mind. So. Well, okay. Well, it'll still be probably be enough for total annihilation. Um, got any guesses as to what it'll sell for? What they'll ask for? 
the my instant guess, my instant answer, I was just gonna say, you know, like sixty five hundred, because that's kind of that spooky price range. But with no ramps and everything else, I would not be surprised to see this at a lower price point. I could see this at maybe a five k table. I think that's way. I I I don't think that's what it's going to end up being, but I could in that little fusion of hope that exists, actually see that as a possibility. I'm sure it'll probably be probably at least 6K, but I can see a 5K table. Yeah, my my guess is that it will be offered at six. The lowest I know of that they've been, I think Domino's is their cheapest game that they're running right now, and I believe that's 5,200. So it wouldn't be out of the question to envision that they from a bill of material standpoint could perhaps justify getting it all the way down to 5,000. See, I don't know because it's like what's underneath the play field. I'm, I know there've been pictures and such. Uh, I know there's a lot of RGB LEDs. I, I know that it's built on the P rock system. They, they being spooky use the pin heck board set. They're, likely will not be a conversion so that means that spooky will have to be buying the p-rock control boards i believe i've seen the p-rock person go online and indicate that that price because people can you can go and buy p-rock to build your own pinball machine and people looked at that price and they're like well uh, you know we got to factor that in and i think p-rock went out and indicated well you know that price we list isn't for bulk purchasing that's for if you just want to buy one you know we do a discount if you want to buy a lot of them so so <laughs> Um, yeah, my, I think they'll sell it for six. I think that's what they'll launch it at. If they, if they did get it to five, like you could get it to your door at five at this point, that would actually put it just beneath Stern pro. And I bet you they'd move units. The, the question is how many people who maybe haven't gotten a chance to play total annihilation, even at five would look at it and see that it's single level without any ramps and then think five is still too high. And I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how many. But it has an LCD and it has. God, it's such a good game. It was my favorite game of FDBF. It was such a good game. I could have played that game all weekend and been happy. If it's under five, I'll consider getting one. But if it's over five, I won't because that's my hard cap for even considering so but they they're not gonna price it based around what dennis is going to do it's just, <laughs> just how it is but yeah it was a lot of fun i really liked it it's really well i was i'm gonna send an email to spooky i'm typing it up right now dear spooky dennis will get me one well him one but i can play it so please price under five yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, I would feel I'd almost feel obligated if they actually sold it that low. The, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, I I like single level play uh, play fields. It's part of the the charm that firepower has that I really enjoy, uh, and that's why I've been well, I'd say not aggressively looking. I I've been keeping my eyes out for one of the those Gottlieb Street level pins because they're all single level. And the one I'm I'm tracking for officially is is Silver Slugger because I think it's got the most interesting layout. Uh, it's really jam packed. It's a Trudeau design. It's all single level. It was just before the DMDs came out, but it's got fairly sophisticated rule set. The baseball theme I think works well with its integration. And I've heard good things about hoops, so that's the other one I've kind of watched for. I haven't ever been able to play any of the the six that they made. This to me is like what Gottlieb had tried to do, but got gotten right completely right 
So that's why I, I think it's so interesting. But you know, I don't know. Uh, people, some people, some pinball people will may look at the LCD and go, "Well, it's got the LCD and the alphanumerics. That's, that justifies the the amount." You know, uh, this is that's the logic. That's a that's a stream of thought that I get lost in because I know people who will look and they'll tell you, like with Star Trek, um, there'll be people that would have said, "Get Star Trek Premium. It's the light show is worth it." And I'm like, the light show is worth another two thousand dollars. That's just some color changing LEDs. You notice how I make it sound really cheap and, and trite. Yeah. And, but to them, it's a beautiful spectacle and it's worth thousands of dollars. Uh, there's a disconnect between my my way of thinking on you know a mod, essentially, and their way of thinking. And it just depends. This has a beautiful light show. I get why the color-changing LEDs are so popular. My virtual pinball that uh, we built was is full of color-changing LEDs, and they are awesome, but... I also know how much they are to buy and it's not that bad. So um, yeah, no, I don't know with all the, it's the stuff under the play field that is really the question. And of course the size of the runs makes a difference because spooky is not committing to build say 300. If they get enough for 50, they'll do 50 and that's it. And if they get more than that, they'll do more than that. But uh, I, I'm I glad they're going to the get more than that as people play this game, provided there is not an art issue. I'm trying to remember who they named as the artist. They're known for a certain style and no one, I didn't see it uh, it, in a way. It doesn't matter in the sense that I agree with you, but I I don't think it's going to get screwed up. Uh, No one reacted poorly to the artist who was named. So uh, I, I think it speaks volumes though, that spooky went ahead and committed to this. It shows how well it's been received publicly. So anyway, congratulations to spooky. Congratulations to the developer. And in the, future congratulations to the people who buy one so pretty exciting which will be hopefully me after somebody purchases a kidney that's right click the game is cloudcast at gmail.com don't forget the subject discount kidney from tony any other subject (laughs) will get filed elsewhere all right let's go to pinball topic number two numero two skit b again oh i know all right here's the thing there was a hearing for Kevin Kulik, the owner-operator of Skip B's wife, Amanda. Um, she did not show up to this hearing. However, this was a recorded hearing. So I have a link in the show notes, so you can go to SoundCloud and you can listen to this. It's less than 30 minutes long. But, you know, we're here to provide all of you all information. So here is here are the cliff notes. Amanda's lawyer has quit. The trustee... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I why I it wasn't conveyed. Did he like show up and quit? I haven't li- actually listened to the audio I meant to and I got no, busy. No. Okay. Cuz uh, that would be awesome if he different. showed up and she didn't show up and he's just like, "You know what? I'm done. I'm out of here. Whatever. I don't even care anymore." That would have been hilarious. It you're right. That that the lawyer wasn't there. Uh it's not the same as the guy who you've heard in some of the past recordings. Her lawyer was not the same as Kevin's lawyer. I think she had a I think she had a female lawyer. And the trustee indicated, I guess the way he was informed of her quitting the case was in a manner that, mm, I don't know, I want to say it was unprofessional, but it was, let's say at least blunt. He didn't read what she said or anything, but it, it comes up in the hearing. So she she quit and at least conveyed her quitting or conveyed some information in a way that was kind of abrupt, or possibly rude. <laughs> um, regardless, the the lawyer's out. The trustee went ahead and presented the information that he has 
regarding the paper trail showing that Predator Pinball money helped buy Amanda's house. So for those that do not recall, this is the case uh, where Amanda has a house. The house is only in her name. It's not in Kevin's name. Originally, though, the documentation showed that Kevin and Amanda were both on the title for the home until the very last moment, like the day they signed. They went back and pulled his name off, which is a bit of a red flag. The amount of money uh, put down on the house for the mortgage was the same amount of money that was taken out of the Skit B bank account. And I believe the paper trail indicates that that is the amount of money that had been transferred just before out of PayPal into that account. So that's the paper trail that I'm, I'm referring to that comes up in the hearing. And the sort of final cliff note element from this particular hearing was the judge went ahead and he, I guess, put out an order or was getting ready to put out an order to arrange for the house to be unable to be sold. So Amanda can't go and try and sell the house to someone else. It's now on some sort of listing that prohibits that. And uh, he's doing that because given the paper trail that the trustee's office has laid out, the judge thinks there's a reasonable chance that the house ownership might be clawed back into Kevin's estate to pay for Kevin's creditors. <laughs> yes. The judge did not do a job of the hut laugh, but Oh, they you should. May, you may that well you you've inserted ho, it at ho, the appropriate ho. point. So that that's what's going on with Skit B. Um so really not a whole lot. Uh Amanda's sort of been we, we mentioned her an episode or two ago because uh she was the one where the uh she had help from a lawyer in the sense that a lawyer was referenced and signed off on her statement regarding a bunch of claims that the trustee was making. And she's the one who just cited, all, she clearly wrote it herself and she just cited a whole bunch of non-legal things and said things like, I'm not my husband and I'm not my husband's company as her excuses. There are a few other things that that aren't in the high points of what I've just listed that do come out in this hearing. Like there's discussion about the fact that she was paid by Skit B for work because she's a professional photographer. And so Purportedly, she took pictures of the machine or the process of it being built for promotional purposes and such, but she doesn't have, she only has handwritten receipts that don't have any dates on them saying that she was paid for those purposes. And she didn't retain any copies of her work. She doesn't have any copies of the digital photos. And uh, Kevin through Skip B doesn't have any copies of the photos. So it's like, well, where's the work product? If you did the work, doesn't, you didn't retain copies or he doesn't have copies. So where where's the where's the proof that you did anything? Where's your $18,000 worth of work or however much she purportedly got paid for the photos? I don't remember, so don't don't hold me to the 18,000, but it was fairly sizable compared to my understanding of what she lists on her website uh her photo shoots cost. So, anyway, because I think she does a lot of family portraits. But that's the Skip B situation. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to it. It's pretty open and shut right now I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on that thread as best i can but yeah no this doesn't surprise me this is what i figured would happen <clears throat> though i actually uh thought that they might show up to protect the, you to try that might show up at the hearing to try but uh i figured this is what was going to happen because i thought it was pretty obvious that the house was purchased with predator funds and then hidden. 
quote unquote hidden is like really terrible sloppy hiding job but it was an attempt it, they made there was an attempt right well this is not this was not the hearing to take the house away either so she will i assume be present when it actually starts moving toward the potential loss of the family home this was really just uh uh or getting the order in place that she cannot try and sell a house. And also, I believe the judge was going to re-instruct her. I believe this was already in writing, so I didn't I didn't hit on it again, but re-instruct her to satisfy satisfy some paper requests, some some documentation that the trustee wants. And as I had seen prior written, I believe she was fined something like a thousand dollars to go to the trustee to pay for his time, basically to pay for wasting his time reading her frivolous non-legal based excuses as to why she didn't comply with uh, <laughs> why, that whole I'm not my husband that's not a legal answer to the what the complaint was so uh, the trustee office did ask basically that he get paid for all the time he was spent dealing with that nonsense and the judge agreed so I'm not my husband no no you're not but that doesn't matter no you know thousand bucks is, that's a serious money to have yeah, to pay it is. for being flippant so yeah. Oh, well. Um, all right. Well, so much for that. Let's go on to our topic number four in pinball. Well, we got a lot of topics, but we're really tearing through them this time. I thought. We yeah, were. they're going pretty quick. I mean, it's, yeah, it's we're not, fast now. We're the it's new not efficient. Like, the, like some of them where it's where, yeah. where they're on them forever. That's right. We're the efficient gamers podcast this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So this one is on Pinside, the uh, most popular of the pinball discussion forums based off of volume and participants. Uh, they've adjusted their top 100 system. This is a system that we've relied on a number of times for some of our contests and also for referencing. Are these adjustments due to that really fancy pants regression analysis like all of 12 people read about? Chances are absolutely not. But let's go through it anyway. Uh, they've reorganized it so that similar games are grouped as one entry now. It used to be, if you went to their top 100, ACDC Pro version and ACDC Premium slash LE version were listed as two separate games. That's not the case in the main list anymore. Now they list as the group ACDC. And then the highest rated version of those two iterations is where it ranks the group ranks on the list. So like if the pro is 18th and the premium was 12th, it'll be ranked ACDC at rank 12. And then you can expand the group and see what the ratings were for each one within the group. So you know, which one was the highest. And I think that is a change that is both very positive and uh, has been needed. Uh, because that has been one of my annoyances going through the top 100 is seeing that, oh, look, there's the premium. Oh, there's the LE. Oh, there's the pro. Stuff like right. that. Right. I, I agree. This, I think this was a really, a really wise change. Uh, the list was just, especially because of Stern's three tier model. And, and yeah, Pinside was grouping the premium and LEs together because the, the gameplay is identical on those two versions, but. It kind of begged the question when you're rating art and stuff and the art's different on both, should they be grouped together or not? I, I mean, I was glad that they were grouped together, but the bottom line is th the list was getting really cluttered with the same games and repeated slots because of this. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just the premiums versus the pros. You had like uh, Medieval Madness remake versus regular Medieval Madness. I think the vault editions were coming in separate from the regular editions of things like yeah. Spider-Man and Iron Man. 
Yeah, and I don't see where there's an argument that could be made for that at all. I can understand an argument being made for like, oh, the difference between Walking Dead Pro and Walking Dead Premium. I don't necessarily agree that the difference is big enough that they should have two different slots in the top 100, but I can see that argument. But for there to be an argument with uh, Vault Editions or remakes and stuff, that I, I don't see an argument there at all. Yeah, uh, I've seen some people try and counter on some things like going back like 8-Ball Deluxe Limited is combined with 8-Ball Deluxe. And some people say there were software changes between those or Adam's Family Gold versus Adam's Family. Those are merged now. Uh, I don't think it's a big enough deal. Uh, And given that the games are still separately tracked, it's just for the main grouping and how it's rating to keep the list clean. I think it accomplishes its goal without really sacrificing anything. So I, I think it's a good change. Um, let's see another thing. Oh yes. Expired ratings. They're going to have expired ratings now, or they have them now. It's already in effect. And those are not included when trying to rank games into the top 100 and beyond system. So the way that works is you can go onto Pinsight and you can rate games you've played. I've rated, I don't know how many, 15 to 20, I suppose. Um, the ratings will now expire. If you haven't logged into Pinside for one year, you don't have to post or anything. So you haven't gone in and actually been logged into the system. If you're gone oh, for I a need year, to, I better log into Pinside at some point. Well, <laughs> if, anyone whose ratings are expired, if you log back in, the ratings then return. So it's not like oh, a big okay. deal. You just if you could you be be gone for five years and you can come back and then as soon as you log back in and came back, all your ratings are now back in play. It's that simple. Oh, that's not bad. In addition, all your expired ratings and comments, while they are expired because you haven't logged in, you can still, other people can still go and read like your reviews and such. So people can still go and access that information. So if I was gone for over a year, while most of my ratings, I haven't included comments, I have done, uh, especially on games I own, I've done more extensive write-ups. So like I have a pretty extensive write-up on Superman. I have a a write-up on Skylab, for example. Games that, especially, I don't feel so obligated if the game has a lot of comments. Like, I don't think I've gone and posted a a comment on Firepower, because there are tons of them. But on, you know, games that didn't get so many comments, I have. So, anyway, this is based off the idea that the ratings should really only be people who are actively using the site. It's a site rating. And so, and there was a lot of concern that there were people who were active on Pinside in the past and that have not been back during any of this renaissance of pinball. And so you're still having an artificial boost to a lot of the nineties games. I think that really motivated a lot of this. I, yeah, that, that makes sense. I, uh, Pinside is one of those things we've talked about in the past where I, I go on on occasion to read, but it's not something that I am super deep into. Uh, like I'm not even, I can't even post everywhere because I've never done anything to get the full verification, which is really simple. So I should probably do that at some point. But uh, yeah, I don't remember when they rolled that out. I, the reason why I'm verified actually is because there was someone I, when I sold one of my EM machines, uh, I didn't technically sell it through Pinside directly. I Someone on Pinside saw the listing and shared it with someone else, but I, I felt Pinside was responsible for that sale. So I, I paid them their, their royalty payment. And mm-hmm. I guess that got me verified because I had to go through my, my PayPal or something. Well, that's, that works. Uh, yeah, I've just, I've never been, and I've know, I've noticed in the past that occasion that there's some threads that they hit a certain point 
and you have to be verified to post in those threads for whatever reasons. Not that I've, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever even posted. Mm. Uh, it might be the hot threads. I think that's, I think I read that that's something they, they did to try and cut down on trolling, which is the final piece to the adjustment to the top 100. Uh, troll voting is now also ignored, uh, but they did not disclose what they're doing to determine the criteria uh, for what is a troll vote. It used to be seen that a lot of if people were like going in and giving a game a one. That was often a, a red flag. A one with no comment was a red flag of a troll vote. And those were, I think, often uh, manually ignored in some way. Uh, but now they're not just limiting it that much. And someone said they knew someone who has troll voting was obviously going in and adjusting their votes after this change, trying to figure out what the lowest was they could get away with to pull down games they hated. So <laughs> we'll see how well that pre- prevents it. But you you could go in and, and look to see all all ratings and you see how many people went and gave Medieval Madness a one, which is obviously the goal was to tear it out of the number one spot. But you can, I guess, just as easily ask why it was still getting tens too. And are those tens twelve votes? Because they could be. Yeah, they could. I mean, they could very easily be. Uh, I, there's been plenty of things in the past where, and I've now looked, and no, I've never made a single post on Pinside. I just read it. So mm. I am a lurker. A lot of people do, and we'll get to the last segment where they're ta- they're taking steps to hopefully correct that i think i have less than 200 posts i've been trying to post more but there are certain threads i dare not post in because i don't i don't want to get in a fight that's not my goal i can understand that it's one of those things that's i found uh a long time ago i used to be huge into forums and i don't really hit forums like i used to i find anymore i've been using stuff like discord more often or uh various aggregators or stuff like that. And I read a lot of forums, but I just, I don't post a lot. Not like I used to. Yeah. I'm not as active as I, as I used to be. I used to be pretty engaged, like on true achievements. Uh, now most of my posts are staff related, but eh, I, I, I probably should get into them more often. Cause you can have a good sense of community through forums. Uh, discord though, has really cut into the forum market quite a bit. I think, cause I, I'm on a couple discords as well. Yeah. I, I, I've been enjoying discord since i've started using it because of just how it works and this and that it's it's been pretty nice so yeah it is it's pretty good software well let's hit on the last uh, pinball topic which is also pin side as i already foreshadowed uh pin side has begun the purge we talked about the purge quite a while ago where they announced that they were going to start culling the herd of problem users to make the experience on the forum more um friendly we'll say so the purge, they announced, they formally announced that they've started their purge. The way they're doing it is any Pinside members who they have flagged as being problematic due to their behaviors in the past and or present have received private messages informing them that they are now on notice. Further violations of forum rules will thus be met with punishments. And my understanding is the punishments will escalate, but that those punishments will be more aggressive than they might be against, say, someone like me who has not received a warning. So they're on the proverbial thin ice. 
the thread where this was all being initially announced has somewhat exploded, um, mostly with people that, uh, judging from what I've seen in other threads, are probably people that if they hadn't gotten PMs, we're going to be getting them pretty soon. But I, you know, let us not prejudge and we are not calling out people here. But there was a lot of defensiveness and there was a lot of finger pointing, uh, people accusing other users of egging them on, essentially. There were um clarifications uh regarding the approach there were more information that probably needed to be, be showed up in that thread uh and then of course there were a lot of people who were real angry at people tattletailing <laughs> tattletailing uh by reporting to moderators because all, i think a lot of the people that are on the the purge warning list were people that have had their posts submitted for moderation checks which is a private process but essentially it is a tattletale system where you report a post as being problematic in violation of the rules. Cause there are so many posts on Penn side that it is very difficult for the moderators to actually track them all unless they were to try and manually read all the threads and they probably don't go into all the threads. There are so many that get made. Yeah, I know. I understand that. And like I've said in the past, I mean, I consider some of those threads on Penn side are pure cancer. There's nothing redeeming in some of them. At least that's how it feels as somebody who's not, a deep in member of the forum who gets into the nitty gritty. There are threads where you start to read and, you know, several posts in or a page or two in, you're just like, you know what? I don't even care what's in this post. We're done. We're done. I don't even want to put up with this. So I think this is something that could be very solid for um, the forum. I think it's something that the forum has needed. Uh, some of the, uh, attacks that I've seen in these threads have been, it's been a long time since I've been to a forum that would allow some of the stuff to the level that it was allowed on Penn side before now. Yeah. And they've, they've tightened since when I first joined onto the forum, which, oh gosh, I guess that was probably four years ago or so. Um, they've tightened the, the noose around the rules more and more to try and keep things cleaner. But, uh, there it's just not been very aggressive. I mean, I, I, I mostly have video game forums to go against and uh, video game forums can be very profane, but it's not the same level of toxicity that has been allowed to exist on Pinside. Yeah. And I think pinside has been in a really unique position because they are the largest sort of in spite of their atmosphere. And I think the owner operator, uh, realizes that he probably could have even more growth if he really would clamp down on the toxic elements, but it does get delicate because it, it's like, it, it's like a restaurant that's going to change its theme, but they're really worried about losing the existing customers. Some of these people that I'm sure are the ones getting these messages, these, these warnings are some of the most active posters. And so, you know, if you slap them hard enough, they might, leave or they'll threaten to leave for sure. Some of them I think are already dropping hints. Now, overall, my, you know, kind of 30,000 view assessment would be that in the long run is good for the health of the site for them to go. But it can be scary, especially when this is your job and you're making money off of the site to alienate the ones that are generating most of the traffic because you haven't yet seen the lurkers like you would classify as a lurker come in and actually start posting instead to generate the content that they're the vacuum, what will it suck in or will it suck anything in or will it just be a deflated balloon? Those are right. the risks and that I think they've been weighing. 
And that's the thing is I've thought of, I mean, there's been several times where I've considered posting on stuff and nine times out of 10, it's just like, well, I don't see where this is worth getting into it. Or I don't see uh, that this is, especially you'll see certain posters who will be posting. And it's like, well, I obviously do not want to even start posting into this because it'll, it's just, I don't even want to get in the crosshairs of this fight. So I tend to dodge. I'm not saying that something like this is going to definitely bring me in and make me post and this and that, but I have been starting to pay more attention to Pennside. I don't always log in, obviously, since I don't post. I don't normally log in, uh, but I've spent a fair amount of time. I still spend a fair amount of time reading it. I normally check it out a couple of times a week uh, just looking for highlights. Yeah, I, I like to stay long, even before I, I was doing much posting. And most of my posts are just updating the episode links. But um, I stay logged in because it, it does have really good thread tracking, so I don't have to find where I last was. on. And when trying to follow things like the J-pop thread, the Skip B thread, those, uh, without the tracking, it would be a nightmare because those have been forced to be in the all in one thread. They're not allowed there to keep the forum from sprawling with all these topics. They have certain ones which are designated as sort of like, this is the thread you follow to follow skip B shenanigans. We'll just have to see what comes of it. If this turns out <clears throat> really good, or if Pennside loses a lot of the more common posters, nah, but I don't think will the more common. Them. Yeah. And it, it, that's the other question is if they do lose them, is it really going to be a huge loss? Yeah. I, you know, I bet in most, in most instances I've seen where there's significant trolling in reality, it's actually a very small handful of people that are just very, very vocal. I bet you if they purged less than six, they'd clean it up. Even if more than six are, are getting notices, uh, cause some of them feed off of each other. So you just, you know, you just got to spray the roundup on some of the weeds and the rest of them will die off. They'll turn into regular plants. I know yeah. that doesn't how roundup works, but it does in my analogy. So. <laughs> Um, speaking of roundup, I think we've round up our pin side and pinball overall topics, uh, sufficiently. So let's go ahead and let's move into video games, video games. That's right. We got a couple of super exciting things to talk about. Actually, I got more than a couple, um, number of games, some of which we've been playing. I did want to talk about one that isn't out yet. The rest of the stuff we're going to talk about is out, but I wanted to mention middle earth shadows of war. This is the Door. sequel to. Hmm? It's Shadows of Wardor. I, 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 I proclaim it. It's Shadows of Wardor. Uh, well, uh, judging from the trailer I saw, you are right. It is It is a Wardor. Uh, sequel to Shadow of Mordor. I wonder what the third one will be. Shadow of Peace, maybe? Uh, probably door. not. Yeah, Peace Door. door. <laughs> Peace Door. Um, Shadow of Ho- Hordor. Hodor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a crossover. It's a it's it's a uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones crossover. Oh, that would be Hodor. a fighting game. That'd be fighting. Oh, game. that would be yeah. Game of Thrones versus Lord of the Rings fighter. <laughs> okay, I bet it could be just as good as the uh, Star Wars fighting game they had. Um, <laughs> you know, PS One days. So, uh, anyway, Shadow of War. This is the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Uh, chronologically, it's to help fill in the blanks. We love those uh, between the setting of the Hobbit and the start of the Lord of the Rings fellowship. So yeah, it kind of lets you know what happened after the ring was back at bag end and all that. 
the main buzz from the game perspective is they are taking a fairly big expansion on what was referred to as the nemesis system. I should probably ask at this point, Tony, did you ever play shadow of Mordor? Oh yeah. I it's, I've played it a lot. I haven't beaten it, but I can say that about like a ton of games. Uh, but yeah, I've played it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the nemesis system. I, uh, when I am in the mood for that kind of gameplay, that's the game I'm going to right now. Uh, hmm. I yeah. really enjoy it. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I, I did win it. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Nemesis system was great. Uh, the new version of the Nemesis system, they are, I'm, I'm struggling for a great analogy. I think the one I'm going to go with is they're borderlandsing it. Borderlands, you may recall that the big thing is it's kind of like a dungeon caller. There's lots of loot, lots of guns that drop, and they're all like, it's just a bunch of randomized variables that are pieced together. So you had these tens of thousands of variants of guns you could find, and they'd all, you know, there were certain families of guns and stuff, and you'd see certain patterns, but, you know, they were all very, they were all unique in some way. That's what the new Nemesis system is. So there'll be like, the type of orc and then the tribe of orc and the personality of the orc. And then what the orc is strong to and weak to and, and all that combined so that you could play the game and I could play the game and we would both have nemeses that might be sort of similar, but chances are they would not have all the same traits in both of our playthroughs because there'd just be so many possible combinations of orc that could be the nemesis that they would we'd have a unique experience both of us and i didn't really they felt pretty unique to me on the first one but this you know by borderlandsing it i mean i guess they're making thousands of iterations that you could see so that's the main change to the nemesis system um i thought the nemesis system was fine the way it was i'm looking forward to trying the new version though uh, but I mostly, I like that, you know, they're, they're expanding it out more, less just orcsies, um, and wild beasts. Uh, I've seen it confirmed that you, you will fight Nazgul in this. The trailer has a Balrog. I better get to fight it. Um, and there will be towns and such. So it's not as barren and just running from orc camp to orc camp anymore, but there will actually be like cityscape sort of stuff is my understanding. I'm very excited because I like the first game so much. Uh, release date for those curious: August twenty second is the current target release date. It will be available on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. So, Middle Earth: Shadow of Wardor. Um, let me go ahead and hop into the game I've been playing ever since wrapping up Far Cry Primal, and I was going to do XCOM two. I know I said that on the last podcast. I changed my mind because I was playing a strategy <sighs> game. I know I. I know, but I'd been playing battle group two and I was like, I don't want to start another strategy game. So let me go ahead and get Recore out of the way. Recore is an armature studios title. It was a budget title. It launched at 40 bucks, not the usual 60. Um, you play this uh, young woman named jewel and you are alone with your robot dog on a desert planet. As near as I can tell plot wise, I am one of the early settlers of the planet and while the planet is supposed to be terraforming via these robots so that the rest of humanity, which had to flee earth, I believe is up in orbit around the planet, waiting for the planet to be ready for human life. I'm on the planet so that I can be woken up if something goes wrong and something has gone wrong. So Jewel is awakened and she and her trusty dog, Mac robo dog have to go out and try and fix things. Um, It is. So it's open world. 
I wouldn't describe it as a full-on sandbox game, though, because there aren't really any side missions or anything. There are a lot of dungeons where you go in and you gather these prismatic cores, and they are the they are the block to you advancing in the game. Like to get through certain doors, you need six cores. And then later on, you need 20 cores. So you you have to keep gathering more and more. And that's kind of what they do to contain you and confine you from certain dungeons that are too high level and such. So you're going around doing that. Uh, the combat is elemental based. So as you go along, you get these elemental upgrades to your gun and you color match. So if you're fighting a red enemy, you use the red element and the enemies can change colors in combat. Some of them can. So if they change from red to yellow, you need to change to yellow in order to maximize your damage against them. The robots are color-coded. You can go in with two at a time. You find more than your dog as you go along, and they have upgrades and such, and you and you build them armor sets and all that. Uh, as a platformer, it's pretty competent. Um, there's a lot of jumping and dashing. The combat is rudimentary, though. The color-matching thing is cool, but it's all auto-lock-on. Just hold down the trigger and spray. It's the combat's pretty unsatisfying. I I have to say I'm I've I'm disappointed. I have had the game lock up on me once. Uh, I've had texture loading issues. You can tell it's a budget title. Um, the world feels very very big, but it's so barren that you're just spending time running from dungeon to dungeon. Occasionally, you might be trying to pick up collectibles, doing your platforming stuff, but there's just not a whole lot to do. Even though there's just so much time spent running, so. It's okay, but I think I'm actually pretty close to winning the story, and I think this one goes on the shelf as soon as I do that. So um, I just need to farm a couple more levels. I'm a little, I'm about two, I think I'm two levels lower than the recommended for the fight, and I went in there anyway, and it was the final boss guy. I don't know if it's the, it's probably not the final fight with him, but uh, my sense is I'm close. So yeah, and I remember hearing, I mean, this was a game that, we talked about in our E3 episode in a game that I remember how a lot of people were excited for coming out and that seemed to just completely fall flat as soon as it hit. That it just was bah, gone, messed up. Everybody hated it. Or not maybe hate's a strong word, but it wasn't what people had looked for. It wasn't what they hoped for. And it had a very interesting... um premise that people had high hopes for that it just didn't fulfill the promise on no it's um i mean as a family of games it it, i would most compare it to wanting to be like a far cry game i think it wants to be a sandbox game and they sure filled the box full of sand but um the combat isn't as satisfying as it is in say far cry primal because that's what i was coming off of the collectibles are they feel less unique there are a few audio logs they're kind of cool the rest of the stuff you have to keep going back to your crawler do the upgrades and unload your inventory it's uh they're they're fast travel points but they aren't conveniently located it's just yeah i i i knew it was a red flag the moment i saw they were releasing it as a budget title because that wasn't what was originally conveyed so they recognized that it wasn't going to be a fully satisfying retail game experience. And given what they launched it at, I think they gauged it pretty well. It's not a horrible game, but it is a flawed game. And they've tried to build a world, a mythos. It's But going through the main story, it's hard to... I don't have a good grasp. The audio logs do seem to fill in a lot of the blanks, but... Uh, you know, they've made them, it's so, they're so convoluted and how they're spread out and everything. Uh, yeah, it's just, 
I'm I mean, I am disappointed. I'm disappointed. I don't hate it, but I, I am disappointed in it. So yeah, I I had hoped for more. I I mean, if it wanted to be a, a platformer, it should have laid itself out differently because there's a lot of time I'm running and not platforming. The dungeons are pretty cool. They're challenging. They're I mean, it can be very challenging, even as rudimentary as the fighting is. It's still a challenge. I still get my butt whooped all the time, but. That's mostly because I'm going to and fighting enemies that are, are probably too high of a level and just trying to, you know, pull that off. The robots are fun. I like them, but yeah, they're just one little component to your combat. I mean, most of the stuff is still you just holding down the trigger and spraying with your gun. Yeah. Oh, well, you can't win them all. Yeah, that that happens. It, it, it's always sad when a game when something happens to a game like that, but it happens sometimes. I mean. We had several of those last year that came out and are not uh, anything like what was expected or hoped for for them, and we'll have them this year, and we've had them in the past. So it's just a matter of seeing what actually uh, comes of it. So what are you trying to win? Well, that's what that's an interesting question. I got a couple questions for you. Do you like XCOM? Uh, yes, but obviously not enough to have chosen it over ReCore. Oops. <laughs> Do you like Westerns? Oh, yes. Do you like Satan? I don't don't know how to answer that. (laughs) Let's say sort (laughs) of. I've been playing Hard West. And Hard West is a isometric turn-based squad shooter. Uh, So it plays a lot like XCOM. Uh, It is a Western. And it is something that you would qualify, a lot of people would call it the Weird West. There's a lot of supernatural stuff in it. Um, souls get uh, sold and powers get gained. So uh, to, that's kind of how you get your abilities. You know, it's not an amazing game. It has flaws. Uh, it is a fun game. It's got an interesting story, and it's something that I would definitely recommend people pick up uh, for the right price. I got it for eight dollars when it was on sale a couple weeks ago, and um, it was worth it. It was worth eight dollars. Uh, its base price is twenty. It's currently available on uh, the Humble Bundle. Let me Frontier. Yeah, the Humble Bundle, Wild Frontier Humble Bundle that's currently available and will be available for another week or so. Uh, it's available along with the game I talked about last episode, uh, Renowned Explorers. They're both part of that Humble Bundle. But this game is, it has some stuff that XCOM doesn't have that I wish it did. You're able to create and modify your cover. So... You're in a, say you're in a room. I, uh, you can kick over a table and use a table for cover. Or you're outside and there's some boxes. You can flip up a box and use the box for cover. And to, uh, uh, or open a lid and use the lid for a little extra cover, stuff like that. And there's actually a real interesting mechanic for upgrading characters because you don't get XP. Your characters don't level. Um, you get instead poker cards and you can, each card has a different ability, passive or active on it. And you can uh, assign those cards to your posse 
and they get like like there's a there's an ability that is it's a passive ability that as long as you're in the shadows you're harder to spot you've got concealment as long as you're in a shadow uh, and there's another one where if an enemy is in the shadow you can kill them it's just or when you can you can attack them and hit them for big damage that has always killed every time i've used it so, and that's part of that whole demonic soul thing. But you, as you build these card hands, you also get bonuses if you build a hand. So if you go, oh, I built a straight. And since I built a straight, I have all the passive and active abilities that come from the five cards that build up that straight. Plus, I get a bonus ability. Or if you make a full house, or, you know, there's just different bonus abilities and it depend upon the card hand you, and that's how you modify and kind of level up your characters and give them a different abilities and different stuff. And it's a fun little mechanic. It's a fun little system. And the combat is like a lot of these squad shooters. It's really brutal. Uh, one hit kills are common. The only problem with that is typically one or two of the characters in your posse are, uh, flagged as, uh, story critical. And if one of those guys dies, that's it. Game over. And you have to restart that mission. Unless you're playing Iron Man. If you're playing Iron Man, it's just game over, game over. So that can be kind of annoying. Um, but like I said, it's got good dialogue. It's got good voices. The story's kind of fun. Uh, but it does have some other flaws, and some of these flaws are what I think trips it up and why I say wait for a sale or catch it in this humble bundle or something. Um, the way the game's story progresses is you are playing different sections of your of the main character's life and other characters' lives, but uh, you play a scenario, and once you've finished the scenario, you've done all the combat portions and all of the out-of-combat talking and RP type stuff, um, you end up with, uh, and you finish everything, you know, you've got your posse, you're armed, you've got good guns, you've got great cards and a great skills and this and that. When you start the next scenario, which takes place later in your life, it's all gone. You start out with two people with a couple basic guns, a couple basic cards, no nothing. You're basically starting over. So every single scenario starts you over from scratch, which is really annoying. Uh, there are things you can unlock that just make items purchasable, like when you go to a gun shop or wherever where you can purchase stuff that you've had in the past, but it doesn't. You don't have it. It's not, I mean, it's, it's literally like if you went and, oh, I beat the big bad guy and it's the end of, you know, it's not even like the end of a game. It'd be like at the end of like a mission of XCOM, your guys walk up and the mission ends and you're just like, I don't need this rifle anymore. And you start the next game with a basic, with a basic rifle again. Cause, oh, I don't need my plasma rifle anymore. I don't, I don't need my BFG anymore. I just, you know, so that's kind of annoying. And then it also uses a luck system. So when you're in combat, if somebody shoots at you and misses you, your luck goes down because you're lucky. They missed you, but that burns some of your luck. 
to make sure they missed. And when you actually get hit, your luck goes up. And the same thing happens to the other people, to everybody you're fighting. So everybody has a luck system. And which is interesting because it means if you're walking in and your guy hasn't been attacked or anything, he has high luck. He's more likely to be missed. And if he's been missed a lot, he's more likely to get hit, which will make his luck regenerate. The problem with this system is that all of the active combat stuff. So, you know, reaching through shadows to rip a guy's heart out or various combat boosts or this or that. The what you spend to use those active abilities is luck. So I can reach through that shadow and rip that guy's heart out. But if his buddy shoots at me because I burned a bunch of luck, he's more likely to hit me, which is kind of annoying. And it also tends to end up in the middle of a firefight or towards the end of a firefight. Even if you haven't used any of your active abilities, you probably don't have the ability to use them because if there's been enough shooting, your luck's too low for you to actually use any of your abilities. <laughs> so, but it's got, like I said, it, the story's fun. It's dark. The story is seriously, seriously dark, which should be something you would expect from a Western about selling your soul to the devil and getting powers for vengeance and this and that. Uh, so like I said, I would recommend it, um, for a lower price as something fun and just understand the problems you will run into. Like I said, none of these are game breaking in my opinion. Uh, they just drag things out and some of them are very annoying. The, the one hit kill on a required character that makes you start over. Cause it doesn't even, Oh, you can go back and save and start. Oh, no, no. You have to start that entire combat over again. Even if you've been playing it for an hour, you have to start over again. Yeah. I don't know about the, I mean, yeah, the, the story critical character thing. Um, I, I'm frustrating the weapon the some of the uh, mechan- the weapon reset stage thing and this luck system where the luck is your action points though i i don't really know why they went that direction with it but i don't know either um i said it's very weird but it's not i don't think it r- utterly ruins the game uh it is annoying uh to with the first time i found it the very first time when i finished scenario one and went to scenario two and it opened up at i'm in a bar and i've got a pistol and all my cards are gone and my posse's all gone and it's just me and one other person and i I understand it's several years later but it's like i have no more abilities than i had when i started the last round the the last scenario (laughs) that was deeply annoying. Mm. So basically a get, but only went on sale as your recommendation. Yeah, that's my recommendation. Uh, and again, only if you like Westerns and that type of stuff. I mean, it's not something that I would say you need to jump all over. I mean, if that's not, if that type of game isn't your thing, uh, definitely do not bother with it i mean if you don't like XCOM and you don't like westerns it's not something that you would be willing to even spend time on but otherwise it's got some inner oh and the most important thing no overwatch 
So you can't, if you finish a move and you don't have a second move that you want to do, you can't put your character on Overwatch. You just have to end your turn. Mm. Yeah, so you better have a move ready every time. Yeah, you have to have, uh, yeah. There's no, not that, even like defensive, so there's no anything? No. Eh, there's no. Weird. Weird choice. Weird choices. I mean, XCOM does it so well. That's the only thing that's surprising me is why they would not um, adopt some of those. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That was one of those things that shocked me because I spent my very first combat. I'm sitting here. It's like I'm going through everything. I'm like, where's the Overwatch button? Because in XCOM, that's one of the things I always do is I maneuver myself and I always intentionally leave myself Overwatch on at least some of my guys, if not all of them. But this time, no. And, and for it's those that are weird. ultra confused, we're not talking about Overwatch the video game. Yeah. <laughs> Overwatch is an ability <laughs> in, in XCOM. Yeah, it's where if you use, you have two, two, two actions, and if you only use one action, you can put your character on Overwatch. So if somebody moves in his line of sight, he can shoot at them. Yes, it's very useful. Very useful. Yeah, especially when you accidentally trigger a whole bunch of aliens. Yes, especially then. Well, um, let's go ahead then and hop to our last video game. It's something both you and I played yesterday. We were over off at a game night. My sister and brother-in-law were hosting. And we played Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. And I think we both enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I mean, this is that's a game that came out in 2015, if I remember right. I think you're correct. And it was a game I'd heard about, but I hadn't really thought that much about it. Because everything I heard is it requires multiple people to play. And um, at the time, I was the only person I knew. I wasn't playing. I didn't have an Xbox One. I didn't have any of the modern consoles. I didn't have anything except for my computer. And nobody I knew who played played on computer, really. So I'd never gotten it. But I might end up grabbing it now because that game was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I may have a, I may have gotten it as part of a games with gold on Xbox. Um, but the, um, anyway, it's, uh, in terms of gameplay, uh, genre wise, it's probably categorized as, as some form of shmup essentially. But the, um, the way it works is that you're in a ship, but there are multiple stations. And obviously you can only man one, you as one person can only man one station at a time. So there's a gun station on each of the cardinal directions. So you got top, bottom, left and right gun. Then there's also a station to activate the death blossom gun, which uh, kind of fires wherever it's constantly rotating and it recharges once you use it. And it's very powerful. Uh, there's a shield station and the shield can only cover a certain portion of the ship and is 360 degree controlled by whoever's at that station. And then there's the pilot to actually fly the thing. And so the game I would actually compare it most to that I played recently, which is also a game that they who exposed us to this are fond of is overcooked which is a cooking game, but it's very much about multiple people manning various stations and having to figure out a way to get a job done when you have more stations than you do people. It's the same concept except applied to a shoot 'em up or as I refer to earlier, a shmup, as we, as we in the industry say in the lingo. Um, and yeah, I agree with, I agree with Tony. I, I don't think I would like this game single player. I personally, from what we experienced, would say I think you want at least three, but four people ideally to play this. Yeah, I think 
I, I'm, I'm thinking like you, I think three is not, I'm not going to go so far as to say, I think two is probably mandatory. I think three is, um, the, would probably be the best balance. If you can't have four, it'd be way better than two. I mean, it's just in the middle, but I feel like you pretty much need to have, there has to be a shield person, period. There has to be a pilot and there has to be a gunner. And the only one of those that can change are, I think the pilot can change to guns and the gunner can change to different guns. And the shield guy is the shield guy. And that's it. Yeah. From our experience, that's, I mean, there are certain times where you can put the ship in orbit. So the pilot actually can get up and, and man another station. We, we played it four player. So we usually had a pilot, a shield person, and two gunners. Sometimes we'd put ourselves into orbit and we would have three gunners with one of the gunners on occasion activating the death blossom gun, but which you do not need someone at all the time because it just, you just go and you fire it off when, when it's lined up and it's on cooldown too much to keep someone camping it. As you go about, you find upgrades though. So you can, and the upgrades are different. So you can expand the strength of a gun or you can turn a gun into a mace or you could uh, make the shield actually be able to do damage. Um, and so it's, it's got a lot more flexibility than it looks like on the surface, but conceptually, it's very easy to understand. Fly ship, shoot enemies, shield person does all the work, and don't bump into edges. Yeah. Now, and when you when we did the uh, put the metal power up and turn the shield into basically just a giant spiky chunk of metal, we actually did a lot of damage with just the shield guy keeping the shield you know pointed ahead, and as the pilot, I just drove straight at stuff. That worked really yeah, well. No, it worked really good. Um, we only got to do a couple stages, but I thought it was fun. Um, yeah, I would I have liked to have played a lot more. It just didn't work out for obvious well, we, reasons. It was real late when we started. It was real so. late. <laughs> but hey, we got to experience something, and here we are telling people about it. So Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, uh, available on console and on PC. So feel free to shop around for it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's it available good. on pretty much everything at this yeah, point. Yeah, probably. It's probably available on phone. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, that'd be weird. That be, would be It'd probably be weird. wrong. I don't, we don't recommend it that way. We recommend it on normal things. Well, we don't have a tabletop section this time. I actually so have something that I completely <gasps> forgot to add into the notes. You didn't completely put it in the notes. It says I tabletop know. blank. T- it says blank. Uh, not only that, when, when we started, I didn't mention it. Um, but I can, it, it popped into my head about halfway through that I'd remembered finding this the other day and I just forgot, I, I forgot to put it in. Um, there is a, and this kind of crosses over for our Fallout fans who have also thought about wanting Fallout miniatures or a tabletop miniatures game to play. There is a Fallout Wasteland Warfare game coming out that will be a tabletop miniatures game. And it's being done by Modifius, Modafius, Modufius. I don't know how they pronounce it. It's got, you know, lines above letters and some umlauts and yeah. Um, and I'll include, include a, uh, the links in the links for it. Um, uh, there's not a lot of information on it 
yet. There's not a release date or anything yet. Cause I literally just saw it announced not that long ago. So there'll probably be more of that coming forward as we get, as we learn more about it. Cause I'm going to be keeping an eye on it because the figures look really cool. And who doesn't love fallout? I don't know. Only losers don't like fallout. Well, losers. I don't know if I'd call them that. They're just mistaken. They're just mistaken. They don't have the pure hearts that we do. Mm. They just haven't learned of what they're missing. Makes me sad. Fallout, that'd be a good pinball theme. Fallout would be an amazing pinball theme. Maybe that could be your first custom pinball machine. Probably not. (sighs) <sighs> Sounds like a lot of work. Okay. Well, um, uh, do you know when that's releasing? No, they haven't announced it yet. It's uh, like I said, I'll, I'll include the thing. The company that's doing it, uh, they've done some other tabletop miniature games uh, like Infinity and uh, uh, Siege of the Citadel and Mutant Chronicles. Um, the only ones of those I've played is Infinity and it's all right. So we'll see what's how it long it takes, but I, they don't have much information at all at this time. It's basically just a uh, splash page at this time. Okay. Well, we'll just have to keep our eyes out on it. Yep. Uh, and speaking, of keeping our eyes out, I see the end of our show in sight now. So we're will, there. that's right. We've made it uh, as a reminder. I haven't done this reminder in quite a while, but we do appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. Please feel free to go and visit iTunes and give us a rating and review. It helps with the search algorithms so that we pop up. We do recognize we've been talking about pinball is like three fourths of the show now. So um, I've re uh, focused the description to make that a little more clear. So people aren't blindsided by our more limited tabletop section, but I think it more accurately reflects how we balance the three topics. Um, And you can always find our iTunes link at our website, which is eclecticgamers.com. You can reach out to us, though, on social media, uh, facebook.com slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast, or via email as well, Eclectic Gamers Podcast at gmail.com. But we are available on a couple of other social platforms. Yes, we're available on Twitter and Instagram. In both cases, we're Eclectic underscore Gamers. And until uh, we, well, we're, I'm seeing if I get it hammered together, but I think we may have a guest host for the next episode. So I hope y'all look forward to that, assuming everything holds true. Until fingers then, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, but you never know. Schedules change. Uh, and But until then, I'm going to say I'm Dennis, and thanks for listening. I'm Tony, and we'll see you next time.